What's going on, everybody? Hey, how we all doing? We are back. Episode 92 of the Dark Windows podcast. Yes. And this is actually going to be part two of our Mothman series that we're mm-hmm. doing. And this week, instead of covering history like we did last week, even though we got a lot of people that really like that, this week we're going to get into the get right into the guts, get some get some sightings going on. We're going to get all dirty and sh- yeah. stuff and things. But before we do that, Kevin... Why don't you tell us about some headphones? Studio headphones, yes. Go check them out over studio.com. They have headphones, earbuds, uh, and a fancy little Bluetooth speaker. Which I I got approval for from the executive vice president of show planning, Uh a.k.a. my wife, said, yeah, you can fucking buy one because you're going to use it for editing. And I'm like, goddamn right I is. (laughs) Executive vice president of his show planning. And also... With the coupon code, it drops it down to like less than 110 bucks, yeah. which is pretty damn good for a Bluetooth speaker of that quality that has got a 14-hour battery life mm-hmm. and a 30-meter range. And they, <laughs> so you can be across the fucking country from your from the speaker with your phone, and it'll still play. Yep. And that promo code, if you put that in when you get everything into your cart, is going to be Dark Windows 15 at checkout. They take 15% off, and you get a neat little gift with it, too. So Yeah, they, can, they also have a brand new set of uh, earbuds that just came out. They've got a couple that keep... They called the Et, E-T-T. They which, release new earbuds, like, weekly, almost, it seems like. Yeah, these these are kind of, like, look, look uh, sort of kind of like the... AirPods. Uh, AirPods. But they're better. But they're like a little bit smaller. And and, they're better. And they're noise canceling. Yeah. Yeah. So put that promo code in. Get 15% off your entire purchase. And just love it. Fucking buy stuff. Yeah. Which is a Dark Windows 15. You know, get that. I mean, we understand that if you don't right now because times are hard. You know. But also, if you want some cool shit and you got that fucking stimulus check coming. Damn right. Do it up. Oh, also, when you get the stimulus check, you go over to patreon.com and you go to Dark Windows Podcast. Give us five bucks a month. You'll get an extra extra episode. Extra, extra. You'll get an extra episode, which we need to record one of those here soon. And you'll get a sticker and a shout out and all kinds of other cool shit. Mm -hmm. Oh, go to darkwindowspod.threadless.com. Get a t-shirt. Get a tank top. Get something. It's summertime almost. Mm -hmm. So you might as well walk around outside when you can. And represent a mediocre podcast with two substandard hosts. <laughs> but anyway. Um, Maybe just one substandard, which. That'd be you. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I could even blast on myself. So You should, because fuck, if anybody deserves to get blasted on. That's me. It's you. Right in your face. They like me. Some, so, somebody likes me out there your mother uh, it's true <laughs> and she only tolerates you she doesn't know i actually like you uh, she's like i can deal with them on holidays and shit and shit <clears throat> so, so yeah so this week we are going to get into part two of our mothman coverage pot deuce um so it's part two of the series part one of the actual mothman part of it mm-hmm. but we had to do the last week's episode first because nobody else has actually done that much in-depth stuff into it that I've ever heard. So, and if you have, if you have a podcast where you've done that much in-depth research into the, the history of it, awesome. I'd love to hear it. But if you didn't, then yeah. whatever. <laughs> um, so before we get too far, I kind of, 
I had a little bit of a breakdown at the beginning of everything. I wanted to go through like a cast of characters. Um, just so when I'm starting throwing names out, people aren't like, who the fuck are these people? So our first category that I have is our witnesses. So in that category, we're going to have a man named Merle Partridge. We're going to have a man named Woody Derenberger, who is one of the strangest, most well-documented encounters with a alien slash possible man in black of all time. Okay. Uh, Roger and Linda Scarberry, Steve and Mary Millette, um, <clears throat> Raymond and Virginia Wamsley, and Marcella Bennett. Those are going to be our witnesses. Um, for media slash interviewers, like people like names I'm going to throw out that we're going to, you're going to hear more of in the next episode, possibly two episodes, depending on how far we have to go with it. We're going to have Gray Barker, who is a UFO investigator. <clears throat> um, Mary Heyer, who was a newspaper reporter in Point Pleasant at the time. Also God. a also a UFO enthusiast, like big time. How's his last name spelled? Uh, I have it in here spelled H-I-E-R, but it could be spelled differently. I'm not reading the book. I'm going through the audio book. So I haven't seen the spelling for it. Um, and one of the <sighs> one of the best UFO slash paranormal investigators I've ever done any kind of research on, John Keel. We could do an episode about just how John Keel and Gray Barker's relationship works. Mm-hmm. Because like back in the day, um, like back in the 60s and 70s, UFO investigators were they were very serious. And, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm the only one that takes it seriously. All these other people that research it are out here messing around. They're not they're, They don't take it seriously. And that was Gray Barker. He was very fucking to the point, like, this is what I'm doing here. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Everybody else is wrong. John Keel is more like, well, if you guys are seeing shit, let's go look for it. So like, I, I, John Keel was the guy that would actually go out and, ha- and do like um, UFO conferences and stuff like that. Where Gray Barker was like, I'm not doing that because that's fucking selling out and it makes us all look like idiots. But. Okay. um, But yeah, John Keel was like the dude that you'd be like, you'd meet him at a bar be like, hey, I saw some shit. And you'd be like, here, have a beer. Let's (laughs) talk. And like six beers later, you guys are running through a fucking field of flashlights. (laughs) So John John Keel's my kind of dude. Other one's like, you did, did you? Gray Barker's more like a fucking science professor. You know? Tell, tell me. Tell no, no. He, break he, it down. He was he was very like, uh, no, he, he, he just, believed in UFOs and other beings. But yeah, but he was probably like, break it down for me. He was more like tell, a therapist. Tell, he was tell, just tell like. Me what you, tell me what you saw. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Yes. And John Keel's like, no, let's get some fucking booze and uh, let's go look for stuff. Um, Wait a minute. You saw that? Wait. Are you sure? Show me where. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He did a lot of that. Like, where did you see it? Let's go look for it. Yeah. Um, and actually a lot of my research from this came from John Keel's book, the Mothman prophecies, which I'm listening to on audible. If you have audible, highly recommend it. If you don't have audible, go do your 30 day free trial and get this book because the narrator's awesome. The story's fucking great. Totally recommend it. I'll have to, uh, uh, get when I get yeah. my stuff. I'll have to redo that. So our third category for like characters is going to be, um, a man by the name of Cold, who we'll later find out who he is, kind of. Um, and a series of unknown men wearing black suits 
usually described as being very tan with Asian or Slavic features and super awkward at conversing. Hmm. Um, and they usually claim to be um, Air Force officers. Project Blue Book? No, I don't really know. Um, but they, they, they claim to be Air Force officers, but when questioned about anything to do with the Air Force, they're like, yeah, that's the one with the tanks, right? Uh, I got to go by, and they just leave. They, like So like, oh, no, we're here with the Air Force. What's your rank? <laughs> Table. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. So they don't really... They don't really... No, they, they're more making up, like, saying, oh, I'm from the Air Force, trying to intimidate people. Um, and our man-creature of the hour himself, Mothman, will obviously be involved in this as well. Huh. So I know I, I finished... We finished off last week with me talking about a couple, a couple of um, quick encounters. I wanted to go back and touch on those again real quickly. So November 12th of 1966 in Clendenin, West Virginia... Five men who were digging a grave heard the trees rustling and they kind of hit it with a flashlight and they saw what they thought was a giant bird. And then they realized it's too big to be a bird. It looks like a person standing in a tree. And then it just flew off. Yep. So they're like, huh. And just fucking went back to digging a grave. Um, the next night, so November 13th, 1966, in Salem, West Virginia, a man by the name of Merle Partridge... I told this one last time, last week, and I want to apologize because I didn't have my facts correct when I mentioned, when I talked about this one. You son of a bitch. So that's why I wanted to go into a little bit more in depth. Um, so Merle Partridge was sitting sitting in his living room uh, watching TV when, quote, all of a sudden the TV just blanked out. And this is from an interview that he gave with, uh, gave to Gray Barker when he came into town looking for stuff. Which is not, I mean, being, you know. Okay, you can look at the skeptic side. That's not unheard of because during that time, there's no cable. It's all antenna. Yeah, and they're old tube, t- tube, tube old TVs. tube TVs. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Gray Barker, he he's probably best known between the Mothman and investigating the Flatwoods monster. Mm-hmm. So he was he was right in that area, that whole big part of West Virginia. Um, and he goes on to keep saying. Quote, at the same time, a real fine herringbone pattern appeared on the tube and started whining. It started winding up to a high pitch, peaking and breaking off as if you were on a musical scale and went as high as you could go and came back down and repeated. It sounded like a generator winding up, like a small field generator you'd use to power a radio in emergency. So as all of this stuff... Okay, so if anybody doesn't know what a herringbone pattern is, it's kind of... Uh, it almost reminds me of Tetris, where you get like the like the L's, like the yeah. L shapes, and then there's like another one that kicks off to the top on the opposite side. So it's like a backwards S, and it kind of just patterns down that way. So as all of this is going on in the house, Bandit, who was the Partridge family's dog, who was a good-sized male German Shepherd, he's out on the porch and he starts barking and whining and trying to wanting to come back in. So Merle. Being a sensible man does the sensible thing. Let's his dog back in. Grabs his rifle and a flashlight and goes out to see what the dog's whining about. Oh, okay. Not letting his dog back right. in. <laughs> so when he gets outside, he says, I found Bandit sitting on the edge of the porch barking down towards the hay barn. I shined the light down in that direction and picked up two red circles or eyes. 
Don't go down there, boy. (laughs) They look like bicycle reflectors. There's something about those eyes that's hard to explain. When I was a kid, I night hunted, so I know what animal eyes look like. Cat, dog, raccoon, possum. I know what animal eyes look like. Yeah. So he would obviously know that it's not right. a, uh, not any one of those. Right. It was much larger than any ones I've ever seen. It's probably around 150 yards from the porch to the hay barn, but those eyes still showed up huge for that distance. So these are big-ass eyes. Hmm. As soon as the beam from the flashlight caught the eyes, Bandit took off towards them. He is hauling ass down the down the gravel driveway, chasing after this thing. Like, doing, any, like any dog. Doing you know. his job. Yeah. So, uh, huh. so here, here's the, the the part that you know I I don't like him for this, but I also understand. Yeah. Where he says he was too afraid to go looking for Bandit that night because something in his like in his gut basically told him, "Don't go down there. It's not a good idea." Yeah. So after spending the night with his loaded rifle pitched up against uh, up against the bed next to him. He went out first thing in the morning to try to find his dog. Quote, I walked out to the barn looking for tracks. Here and there, I could see Bandit's paw prints. These were easy to find, for he was a heavy dog and the ground was muddy that night. When he reached where he thought the eyes had been, he found a bunch of tracks going in a circle, like the dog had been chasing his own tail, which he said was weird because he'd owned the dog since he was a puppy. He'd never once seen him chase his own tail. It was just not something that was in in his, you know... Yeah. Okay. Routine. Yeah. Um, I so, mean, and, and only, you can't dismiss that because only an owner would know, you know, some people would be like, well, how do you know that, right. that you know, they didn't do that possibly because, you know, the dog didn't do that because, you know, dogs do that stuff. Well, if you've been around the do- a dog long enough, yep. you know what a dog does and does not do. I, I can tell you from experience, one thing that you will definitely see dogs spin in circles for um it's like anybody that's ever been coyote hunting if you hit one they would tend to spin around real quick a couple of times and then they'll take off or they'll drop one way or the other um so maybe i'm thinking the dog's probably hurt at this point and that's why he's freaking out running in circles trying to figure out which way to go so he didn't find any other tracks which kind of made him think that something you know something got his dog and he just basically vanished into thin air so yeah Either something swooped down and picked him up or something picked him up and carried him off. But that second one doesn't make any sense because there's no other tracks on the ground. There's only dog prints. There's nothing else. Hmm. So he didn't see any prints from this other thing that he saw down there either. So was it actually on the ground or was it hovering? Yeah. yeah. You know? Because, I mean, you rule, I mean, you ruled out my idea. What's that? You know, for <clears throat> what I went to. You know, as soon as you said, you know, eyes, big, everything, I went... Bigfoot. Okay, sounds like Squatch, you know, because there's rumors of stuff like... Oh, yeah. Plenty of stories where yeah. dogs come up missing, you know, from all that, you know, people... Have, and, I mean, West Virginia is loaded, loaded with Bigfoot stories. You got Bigfoot, you got Dogman stories, you've got Goatman, like, all kinds of crazy yeah. shit down there. So, November 1st of 1966, so we're jumping back a a couple of days here. Yep. Um, A National Guardsman stationed at the Armory in Point Pleasant saw what he thought was a man standing on the wall of the the Armory wearing a brown suit. So, he thought this was a little weird, 
And he kind of stood there looking at it, trying to decide if it was a man or if it was a giant bird. Couldn't make up his mind, really. So he ran to get somebody else. And when he and two other men returned, it was completely gone. So it had either jumped down off of the wall and taken off or flew away. Yeah. So now we're going to get into the tale of Woody Derenberger. Uh So Woodrow Derenberger was traveling south on Route 77 on his way home to Mineral Wells, West Virginia from Marietta, Ohio on November 2nd, 1966. So the night after the guardsman had his encounter. Derenberger was a salesman for a sewing machine company. Um, it was like a sewing machine. Others like they had other like small uh, small appliances like um, toaster ovens, small refrigerators, freezers, stuff like that. Traveling salesman, probably. Yeah, right? kind so? of. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Um, so he's driving his, his panel truck home, and he heard a, a, a like a bang in the back. Uh-huh. So he kind of like looked over yeah. his shoulder and realized that. Uh, a toaster oven had fallen off the shelf and bounced into a, a sewing machine box and was making a bunch of noise. He said that it didn't look like anything was damaged, so he just kept going. Um, and as he turned his head back around to the front, to the windshield, he saw something go past him on his driver's side, and he thought it was another car passing him. So he didn't really think anything of it. Um, it's around 7.30 at night, so it's obviously been dark for hours by now in November at 7.30. And uh, when he saw this thing go past him, when he got up in front of him, he realized it's not a car. It was a dark gray to silver craft shaped like an old oil lamp chimney. And it had come around in front of him and stopped in the middle of the road. I mean, he he's driving a panel truck. Brakes probably aren't the greatest. So yeah. he gets on the brakes and he, he stops about 10 feet away from this thing and kind of pulls off to the side of the road. He did say that he noticed that it wasn't actually all the way on the ground. He said it was floating about a foot, foot and a half off the blacktop. And being that close to it, I mean, I know a lot of people will say, well, how do you know how far it was off the ground? Because people don't, you don't judge distant, like height well at distance. Yeah. But I mean, you're 10 feet away. You can say it's going to be anywhere between what, one and three feet. And you're going to go, yeah, one, one and a half, two feet, whatever, fuck it. Yeah. I mean, what, what? That's kind of like a variable. Like, right. you know, if you say three, four feet, you know, it's that's not really all that much. The important thing is it wasn't on the ground. No, <laughs> it's true. A door in the craft opened and a man stepped out down the ramp. The door closed with a metallic thunk and then the craft rose to what Woody said was a height of about 50 feet into the air. So... Uh, did he say how big the craft was? I didn't really get a good description. He just said it looked like an old uh, uh, oil lamp chimney. So it's kind of uh, kind of like fatter at the bottom, and then it got skinnier towards the top, and it flukes out at the top. Mm. Um, but he did say it went up to about fifty feet above the ground, so it was probably like up up above tree level. So any other car uh-huh. coming by probably wouldn't have noticed it. Yeah. So the man starts walking towards his truck. Woody described him as looking, you know, like a normal guy, 30-ish, dark hair, olive complexion, about six feet tall. He was wearing a, like a metallic blue shirt with a black sports coat kind of looking thing over the top of it. And when the man got to the truck, 
he spoke to Woody, saying, Roll down your window. I want to talk to you. He asked Woody what his name was, and he, you know, he told him, My name's Woodrow Derenberger. And the man said, Nice to meet you. My name is Cold. He then points towards the lights of Parkersburg and asks what it was. Woody told Mr. Cold, It's a town called Parkersburg. Um, basically told him, you know, it's a, it's a small town. They've got business, a couple businesses, some restaurants, a church. It's not a, not a very big town. Um, so Mr. Colt proceeds to ask him, do, does anybody live there? And Woody at this point is kind of like, yeah, people live in town. Um, you know, and obviously there's all, there's, there's some other stuff going on there, but yeah, there's people that live there. So Mr. Cold continues to talk to him for about 10 minutes, just, you know, polite, you know, conversation, some small talk, whatever. The weird thing to Woody was the whole time they're standing there talking, Mr. Cold's mouth never moved. He stood in place with a big grin on his face the entire time that him and Woody were speaking. At this point in time, Woody realized he wasn't actually speaking. He was just hearing what he was saying, even though he wasn't speaking to him. Okay, so... So he's communicating with him via telepathy. So this is... An advanced star child? You ever heard of them? Yeah. But this is kind of, I mean, it doesn't, because usually like star children or whatever, or star people, because they're like, you know, they're the mix of alien and human. You could have just said a hybrid instead of confusing me. True, a hybrid. (laughs) But... They, this uh, isn't fair. I'm drinking and you're confusing me. <laughs> no, but it sounds like that's what it is. And they somehow must have like, I don't know, because a lot of them you, you hear about don't really have actual clothing on per se. I mean, it's it's more like, like a suit kind a of suit, but it sounds like he's got clothing on. To me, it sound the way he explained it. It sounds like he had a suit on, but at the last second, was like either this guy's gonna think I'm weird walking out to him like this, or it might be chilly. I should grab a coat at the door and just kind of like fucking threw an overcoat on. Yeah. Um. So he he could tell that something wasn't quite right with Woody. So he said, "We can either continue to speak this way, or you can just think." Yeah. And Woody's like, "I'll just talk to you," because I gotta. Because Woody Derenberger was a dude in his 50s back in the 60s. So I got a feeling any of this weird quote-unquote hippy-dippy bullshit wouldn't have flown well with no. him. Especially in West Virginia, where you don't necessarily have a lot of folks running around in business suits and shit like that at this point in time. Especially in small towns. Well, I, I don't... I, well, I, won't, I, mean, I won't go that far. No, but th- this this was this is a very rural part of West Virginia. This is fucking blue-collar. Like These are coal miners. These are farmers. These are just... Folks yeah. living their lives. These aren't, you know, fancy businessmen coming in from New York or some shit. So the, the suit coat could have thrown him off a little bit, too. Be like, who the fuck are you? It's like, it's well, not but Sunday. Al- yeah, but also <laughs> the fact that he was like, um, does anyone live there? Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. It's a town. Yeah, that's true. You know, more of the question would be how many people live there? Yeah. What kind of people live what there? What kind of people live there? Not... Do people live there? Yeah, that's not a normal, uh, um, a normal question that a normal human. That's true. You know. Yeah, but then also to like that the mind fuck of going, 
Wait a minute. You're talking to me, but your fucking mouth ain't he's moving. He's talking, but he's... Yeah. So then to hear him say, well, we can continue like this, or... <laughs> I can just read your fucking brain, or if you want. <laughs> I can just um, open my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, he wasn't going to actually speak. He just told Woody, you can either continue to talk, or if you don't want to talk, you can just think what you want to say, and I can hear it. Yeah. Which has got to be a fucking mind-blowing experience. Think about it. You probably just worked a 12-hour day, and you're just trying to go home and have a hot dinner, and all of a sudden there's some fucking weirdo at your door just grinning at you and talking to you with his mind. What the fuck? Kind of... God damn it! At this point in time, I'm looking at the passenger's floor in my car going, how much did I fucking drink on my way home? None? You're like... Well, I'm going to fix that. <laughs> those cigarettes, were they left-handed or right-handed? It doesn't smell... It smells like tobacco. I mean... Unless somebody put that LSD in my coffee or something. God, got that marijuana. So, obviously, they continue to talk. And he said that Mr. Cold was very kind and courteous um, throughout the entire conversation. And before he left, he said, quote, we will see you again, Mr. Derenberger. Before and like after he said that, he just returned to his craft, reboarded it, and it fucking took off down the road a little ways and went right up into the air. So Woody, at this point in time, obviously a little shaken up, drives home and um, probably the kind of guy that wasn't going to say anything now what, about it. Now, uh, what probably shook him up more, the fact that the guy, there was a guy that talked to him without moving his lips or was it the fact that there was a freaking craft that came up beside him, let a, let a guy out. That guy had talked to him or whatever, but then also the same person got into a craft, it went down the road, and then shot back up into the sky. Six of one, half dozen of the other? A little, yeah. So. I think the whole whole situation's probably fucked up. I mean, <clears throat> I'd probably, uh, you know, knowing me, I'd be like, holy fuck, I just got talked to. Yeah. And I didn't even open my mouth. But I mean, Woody. I mean, <laughs> he was. I, I carried on a conversation. And I didn't open my mouth. Yeah, I mean, he was a. Again, he was in his fifties in the in the mid to late nineteen sixties. He was a very straight laced, like no bullshit guy. Oh yeah. So I got a feeling if his wife hadn't noticed how fucking shaken up he was, he wouldn't have said a word. He would have just eaten his dinner and gone to bed. Just fucking. Well, yeah. Lock it away. I mean, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, that time, aliens. Yeah, eh. Espe- especially in this part of the country where you're kind of like almost getting down into Bible Belt kind of area where you're like, yeah, but seeing shit like what that. What the fuck is this? But you she, know, but seeing like things that you know come down, go back up, look round. That's it's not normal. It was the kind of thing you didn't talk about because people yeah. would have thought you were a nut. Exactly. I mean, plus also he's you know. That greatest generation where yeah. he's been through the depression. I mean, he was, and I don't know for sure, but he he could have potentially been in World War Two. He would have been in that age range. He would have, yeah. You know, so I mean, he he very easily could have been, or you know, maybe he had something else going on where he couldn't. But, um, so he would uh, after he talked to his wife, <clears throat> kind of gave her an idea of what happened. She told him. You need to go talk to the police. You need to tell them what you saw. Yeah, right. So they're gonna laugh you the hell out of that. He went and talked to the police about everything that he saw. Yeah. And then he would actually go on to do an interview on the local news. Um, 
Um, I'm gonna. I'll, I've got. I found a link for it. I watched the whole thing. It's basically just a still picture, but you get to hear the the interview. Yeah. So I'll post that onto the Facebook page with it. Um, really interesting because you can tell by listening to him. <laughs> He could have been pretty much anybody's like grandpa, where he's just been like, "This is what I saw. This is what happened." And then I went home. I had dinner. That's it. Yeah, straight laced. Yep. No bullshit. Like this is my story. This yep. is what I saw. Yep. And to me, those are the most credible people because those are the people that didn't want to fucking have this happen to him in the first place. Yeah. Where they're just like, hm, "Nope, I didn't want it, and it happened to me anyway." <laughs> so. Over and, the, and I mean, this part of the area is not known for its, you know, I mean, not really known too much for its uh, alien sightings. They, they get a lot of UFO sightings down that way. Yeah, but I mean, at this time, by the, by then, they only had heard of Roswell. There was something in California, Oregon. They're like, ah, this is not coming this way. I mean, that, what Betty and... They uh, were in New Hampshire. Were in New Hampshire, but they, that was what? Uh, like fifty nine, sixty somewhere in there, somewhere like that. But this is this is also ten, twelve years after the whole Flatwoods monster thing. In the same state, two and a half hours away. Yeah, like they they've they've definitely they've seen some stuff. They've had some stuff happen there. Um, so over the next few months, Darren Berger claimed that he would be in contact with Mister Cold, who by now had told him. His name, his first name was Indrid. He was from a planet called Lanyalos. He was married. He had children. Um, explain, kind of like described Lanyalos. He's like, it's a perfect planet. There's, there's no poverty. There's no war. Everybody's happy. Life expectancy is 175 years of what it's. Uh, it'd be 175 Earth years is what yeah. the life expectancy is here. He's like, we've got children. It's beautiful. I'll take you there to see it someday. And what he's like, okay. Yeah, you're nuts. (laughs) So one day, and he had this whole conversation with him when he wasn't even around. Woody was in a car with one of his friends going somewhere for work, and he just starts fucking hearing this in his head. And at the end of the conversation, Indrid Cold told him, prepare yourself, extraction is going to be painful. So when he stopped talking, Woody got this really loud, like, internal buzzing sound in his head. To the point that he had to he had to stop the car. Oh wow! Because he like it was to me it sounded like tinnitus, but worse than I have ever had it. Like if someone was just like fucking screaming in your own head and then running nails down a chalkboard. Oh, uh, like okay. So he, he got to the point where he had to pull off. Um, he would actually get more mess more messages mentally from injured cold over the over the months. Some to the point where he would get migraines so bad that he couldn't move, and other times where he would get intense nosebleeds. Oh wow! <laughs> so it's like yeah, because it's your brain's your brain's trying to process it and it just can't. And your body's like, what the fuck's going on here? Yeah, and you, well, I mean, it's your brain because your brain's like going, all right, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, I can't process this. And it reacts in a way. Well, the nosebleed could also be like if there's any kind of like intense pressure in your head can cause yeah. that. Um, there was, uh, from what I had read on, on a different source, there was one point where his wife took him to the hospital because she thought he was having an aneurysm because he had a nosebleed that wouldn't stop after one of these episodes. Wow. So, and I mean, things things got 
pretty ugly for Woody after he did his television interview. Um, People probably like, ah, oh, I don't believe you. Oh You're man, full he, of shit. <sighs> You're a drunk or something. Well, it, it was it was all this all the typical shit like. He's starting, you know, starts getting phone calls from strangers harassing him. He's got people showing up at his fucking house 24 Uh hours a day. He's got people calling and threatening to kill him if he doesn't stop talking about it. There's our men in black connection right there. And he's or and he's probably also like the town people are looking at him weird. Dude, he he lost he lost friends and family over this. There's people that just because, again, this is that time time frame where. Oh, he saw something. He must be crazy. We can't talk to him anymore. So he like he lost friends over this. He had family that would stop talking to him over it. Um, yeah, you're 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 full of shit. You should you should have just not said a word. Yeah, yeah, that's probably what he's probably thinking as well. I shouldn't have said a word. Yeah, and some of these phone calls were really weird because they were just they would just be a series of like bleeps and electronic sounds. He said sometimes it would it, it almost sounded like you were getting dots and dashes like you would with Morse code. Yeah, but it was mechanical and kind of screeched, so you couldn't really make out the like what if there was a message in there, huh? So the strange, like it got really strange because after these calls started, Woody called. He went to the phone company and said, "I want to change my number. I want an unlisted number." So a lot of the crank calls fell off, but the ones where you're just getting a call where there was silence or these electric sounds, electronic sounds, the buzzes and pops and hissing. That continued. Well, I mean, that time. I, I wonder how he got that changed because usually, unlisted or whatever. Because usually it's, uh, I think, weren't they a party line? I think still then. I don't know. Because a lot it, of them during that time were still party lines, which was it, it, like you'd have to let it ring so many times before, you know, it's like okay, well, fourth ring is it's you. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he it he had his his number changed to an unlisted number, so I don't maybe not. It might not have been party lines. Um, so, and then, like, then the media starts coming in, and they're sitting on his property, trying to get a hold of him, trying to talk to him. And they have fucking strangers showing up, hanging out of your house, trying to see a spaceman, because, you know, you told people that this guy said he was coming back to see you. So it's kind of turned into Hopkinsville. Yeah, but worse, because, okay. you know, um, there's one day where these two guys were hiding in the woods out by his house, hoping to get a glimpse of Andrew cold. And he hasn't seen him since. Well, he, he's, he's seen him a couple of times, but oh. he's never been to his house. He just kind of like pops up random places. Okay. Um, you know what it kind of reminds me of is um, the watchers from fringe where you're just, yes. you're just doing yep. your own, you're doing your thing. And all of a sudden just like, poof, like, yeah. Oh, you're fucking here. Great. What's up, man? You know, then they eat whatever that weird shit was, and they leave. Yeah, um, yeah, that's exactly. I think I think there was a lot of liberties from that show taken with stuff like this for sure. It's a fucking great show, though. It is it's one of my favorite shows. I actually bought the damn thing. Nice. <laughs> um, so of course, after he had told during the interview what this craft looked like, these guys are waiting. They're like, "Oh, we're gonna wait and see the spaceman coming out of this weird, this weird ship." What they saw instead was a black Volkswagen pull up in front of the house, and a real weird-looking dude got out of the car. He was unnaturally tan, skinny and tall, with a clean-shaved head. They didn't think anything of it, but Woody Derenberger would never forget his encounter with this man. Because this is most likely the first 
face-to-face encounter that Woody Derenberger had with a man in black. So he said it wasn't injured cold that came to visit him. Uh. It was a man that came and told him, stop talking about what you saw. If you don't, something's gonna ha- something bad will happen to you. And if that doesn't stop you, something bad will happen to your family. You need to stop. And then the dude gets back in this fucking little black Volkswagen and takes off. Yeah. So these guys didn't know what the fuck was going on. In the meantime, Woody was probably scared shitless. And I mean, he wasn't a little guy either. Woody was a big dude. but Yeah, but at the same time, he probably has to be back of his brain going, no, no, this is, this is my house. This is my, you know... I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna do what I want to do. I I would I would guarantee you his first thought when he met this guy was, "Do you work with Cold? Are you one of his guys?" And then he starts telling him, "Shut your fucking mouth, pretty much." And then he's like, "Oh, okay." So, like we said before, Woody's experience has had like a pretty negative effect on his life. Yeah. Um. For years, even, like, his family was getting harassing phone calls from people, like, you know, basically calling up, like, his brother and his mom and dad and, like, yeah, he's fucking dumb, he's weird, oh, yada, 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 whatever. And because of all the, like, the negativity and the press coverage that he had, he had a hard time holding down jobs. Uh, he could never keep people off his land. And, like... Makes sense. It It all led to his wife eventually divorcing him. And when she did, he left the area Um, and uh, he started writing about his encounters because he still wanted he wanted to get it off his chest, but he didn't want to talk to anybody about it and maybe get somebody hurt. So he did notice something really weird, though, that over time his writings would come up missing from his house when he wasn't home. And Woody was one of these guys where when he left his house, doors got locked. Yep. So somebody's breaking into his house, either physically or supernaturally, I guess, and stealing what he's writing about. So he felt like he was constantly being watched, and he eventually did move back to Mineral Wells, where he would pass away in 1990 at the age of 74. Uh, He never once denied his encounter or changed his story, like any details, nothing changed. Uh-huh. What he told the first time was the story that he told every time he, to- he talked to anybody about it. It was the same story every time. Wow. So a lot of people think, did it actually happen? Or was it just that well rehearsed that nothing changed? Nah, usually if... if, if some, some shit happened to this guy. If your story doesn't change and it's been constantly the same... Yeah. He had um, some shit happen. Yeah, something happened, and, and if your wife could back it up, yeah, you know things that are happening, this and that. I mean, that's kind of yeah. I I don't I don't think for a second that he was making the story up. So I want to take a quick break here because we've got two more encounters to talk to, and these ones are a little lengthy. Um, but they're really, really interesting. So we'll be right back on the other side of this break. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't wanna do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. 
CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell Technologies solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash Tech. Support for this podcast comes from Stella Artois. This summer, enjoy the life Artois. You can experience it anywhere, from your patio to the tidal basin. All it takes is being present, being there, with the people you love and a cold Stella Artois in hand. Wherever you are, you're never too far from the life Artois. Stella Artois. Please enjoy responsibly. All right, so getting back into it here, we are about to talk a little bit about what would become basically home turf for the Mothman. We're going to talk about the TNT area, which is also called the McClintic Wildlife Management Area. It covers about 3,700-ish square acres of land. It's a mix of wetlands, farmlands, and some kind of like mixed hardwoods. During World War II, part of the area was used by the U.S. uh, US military and the government uh, to manufacture and store munitions. When the government was using it, as a as like a storage area, they built um, they oh well, they built about a hundred of these uh, concrete igloos is what they called them. So it was basically like a big cement or concrete dome. Yep. And then it would have two heavy steel doors on it, so that you could obviously go in and store your shit, come back out, lock it. Nobody's getting in there. Yeah. Um. They plant. They, they would cover them with, over with like, uh, uh, like sod and like mo- like moss and grass and stuff. You don't want anybody to exactly. So if know. there was like ever like a like a you know if the fucking krauts ever flew over, they weren't gonna see it. Yeah, they would just think it was a weird hilly spot. Yep. So after the war ended, all the explosives and fun stuff were removed from the igloos, and the military abandoned the area. Which makes sense because yeah, don't, you don't need it anymore. Right. Uh, so the government technically still owned it, so they would lease it out. Um, they would lease out like igloos to different companies for um, like chemical companies or um, maybe like like your um, your mining companies where they had a lot of big stuff or possibly explosives that they were still yeah. trying to store. It's a, it's a safe storage area, right? But it also became a really cool spot for the locals to go hang out. Mostly teenagers, and they're going out there, they're partying, they're drinking beer, fucking drag racing, and of course they go out there to screw. Because you're out in the middle of the fucking woods. Uh-uh. Why not? Not according to that lady on the show that we watched. She was she didn't mention a single thing about that. Well, she said they went out there and they talked and yeah. drank the beer. Yeah. She said nothing about the reefer. <laughs> I don't know if they were smoking reefer, they were probably smoking cigarettes and I mean left handed kind? No, like Probably Marlboros, I'd think. Maybe some camels. camels. Some Lucky Strikes. Ooh. Lucky Strikes fucking hurt. When you have to, like, spit after cigarettes, not fun. Uh, pa, pa, Paul Mall. Oh, boy. Oh. Fucking A. <laughs> Unfiltered <laughs> cigarettes are rough. Have you ever had Lois on the show? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> Lo- Lois was a lady that used to come in. To the gas station that Kevin and I worked at, and she'd buy four packs of Paul Mall, non-filtered, like every other day. <coughs> Smoking through my throat hole, but uh, yeah, no. So like after this one late, this lady came in. That's how we counted cigarettes for the rest of the time we we're there. One, one two, two, 
three, shit, four, <laughs> five, <laughs> six. How much you so, get? Him? <laughs> hey, hey, how much you yeah. get over there? Yeah, it sounded like a fucking bullfrog that smoked cigarettes. Yeah, that was rough. Um, <laughs> Our voices heard after. Yeah, mine does right now, actually. So I, I, I did see some pictures of these igloos, and I can totally see why the local kids would have wanted to go out there and hang out. These things look fucking rad. I mean, just to go wander around through, like, the igloos, the old abandoned power plant, the generator plant, all that well, shit. Well, kids are kids. I mean, you know. Dude, I'm not a kid, and I'd still go wander through this thing. But it just yeah. looks, I mean, some, a lot of it's not there anymore, but the igloos still are. Curiosity is is, yeah. the, is the biggest thing. We've got this. an old abandoned uh, missile silo up north that I want to go check out. Yeah. It's like uh, it's a fucking like, East Mountain, like up in Burke. It's like yep. three hours from here. I want to go do it. <clears throat> oh, my throat really fucking hurts. I'm not going to lie to you. So with all of that out of the way, we're going to get into another one of the big sightings for Mothman. And this is what a lot of people would refer to as the Scarberry Millette sighting. So November 15th, 1966, Roger and Linda Scarberry took a ride out to the TNT area with their friends, Steve and Mary Millette. And uh, they were all in Roger's 1950s, black 1957 Chevy. Fucking Ooh. sweet car. <sighs> and keep in mind here, the average age of these four people, like they're two married couples. Yeah. In 1966. So they're probably, what, 20? The average 20s, age of these guys 20s? is like 19 at the time. Okay. Because I know that Roger and Linda were both were both uh, eighteen, yeah, and they'd been married for a year. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like shit's changed. Like, well, nowadays you don't get married at eighteen years old. Most people they don't get married at you know, nineteen or twenty. No. So basically, they went out there to meet up with some friends of theirs. Um, They're supposed to meet at around eleven thirty, but they're kind of cruising around through. They couldn't find them anywhere, so they kind of figured. You know, maybe they just didn't show up. Maybe they were, you know, doing yeah. whatever else. So the roads are abandoned. Um, they're kind of, I mean, they're mostly dirt roads, but they're kind of windy, like big, like swooping curves and spots of them. Yeah, because you'd so, have to because for military trucks. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you got like some wide, like, you know, abandoned roads. And as you're driving through, like, obviously there's no lights on in the igloos and the few houses that are all that are out there are all dark as well. So they kind of did the loop around through uh, the area. And again, they realized, I guess they're not coming out. So we'll head home. So as Roger drove past the uh, the North Power Plant, he saw a set of glowing red eyes in the headlights. So they were about two inches in diameter and about six inches apart. He said they were connected to a tall, bulky, gray creature that he saw go around the corner of the power plant. But he said when it ran, it kind of wobbled, like kind of, I would imagine maybe like waddled, like if you get like a penguin to run or yeah, something like that, like yeah. something that's that's running, but it's not built to run. Yep. He said it didn't look like it was keeping its balance very well. So as they, as they pass the plant, Linda gets a really, really good look at it. And this is when she fucking loses it. She starts screaming and crying and freaking out. She said, quote, it looked like a man, but with wings. It was six to seven feet tall, and the wings were laid against its back, and you could see the muscles in its legs. So as they're sitting there watching it, this creature staggering towards the door of, of one of the generator buildings. And uh, with everybody in the car is, like, losing it. So Roger jumps on the gas. They tear ass out of the TNT area, out under Route 62. And once they hit Route 62, 
they're speeding down the highway, heading back into town because the TNT area is a, what was they say, like six and a half, seven miles out of town, somewhere in there, according to the map I was looking at. Yeah. So they're terracing down the road. And Linda just so happens to look over and she sees either the same creature or another one on a hilltop by a billboard. Oh, wow. <laughs> so. Oh. Yeah. Shit's falling on us. Yeah. So <laughs> she, she said that because it was like a like a like a very wide open area where you're coming around a like you're coming into a corner but you can kind of see through it. Yeah. Yeah. And she could see it up on the hill and she said as they got up next to it it opened its wings and just took off straight into the air. Everybody in the car saw it fly straight into the air. Never flapped its wings, just opened its wings and fucking whoosh, up she went. Huh. So they're all freaking out. They're yelling at Roger, go faster, go faster, go faster. He's got the car upwards of a hundred miles an hour. This thing is flying over the top of the car and it's so close that when it flaps its wings, the wings are slapping against the roof of the car and the trunk deck. It left scratches in the paint from where everything was hitting. Wow. Um, and this is going to be a weird detail, but as they're driving, Roger noticed a dead dog in the side of the road. He said it was a large dog. And that's the weird detail? Is a it, large dead dog? <laughs> it's going to get weird. Because my first thought was when he said this, I'm like... Was this the German Shepherd that went missing in yeah, town? But, yeah, but it's been how many, how long? A couple of days, like maybe a week. Since? Since the dog went missing. Okay, so these two it's, it's, uh, scenarios. We're very close to each other. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so th- this sighting was on the 15th, um, and Mr. Partridge's was the 13th, so it was two days. Uh-huh. So that was my first thought was like, is that bandit on the side of the road? Coincidence. Um, but as it's flapping above the car, uh, Mary Mallet rec- uh, recalled it was making a noise like a really big mouse squeaking, which to me kind of sounds like a bat, like a giant, huge fucking bat. Yeah. So that, they are rats with wings. Basically. So they left the creature behind because as they're coming into like the outskirts of town, it veered off like to the right into a field and then into some trees. So the two couples park at the Dairyland restaurant and they're, they're trying to, they're just trying to calm down and like, yeah, what the actual fuck just happened. Gotta be, gotta be. Like he's probably looking at his car. Like what the hell is going on here? We just got chased by some fucking demon or a giant bat or a huge fucking bird or something. I would have lost my goddamn mind. I would have been like, on the ground crying at this point. <laughs> like, I'm not I'm not ashamed to admit that. Well, I mean, hell, it's just uh, from ours, you know, encounter of that, that lake we saw in Rutland. Yeah. You we're know, like, what the fuck? We're, we're wah, like, what wah, the fuck? Wah. What the fuck? And we, like, we pulled off and turned around looked back to where it would have been and it was gone. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, that's kind of, we were left, like, going Okay, and what the hell? To me, honestly, I think flying things bring out like a, almost like a genetic memory in us. We're like something big flying. That's bad. I got to get away from it. You know, like it, it could have been a fucking like the world's friendliest bird flying over your car. And you've been like, fuck, get the fuck out of here. Go now, 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 go. It's just strange. It, it's, it's genetic looking. memory from where we were living in fucking trees. And like little ones were getting jacked by eagles and shit. 
Um, so, okay. So they're in the, the parking lot of the restaurant. Um, trying, to, trying to wrap their minds yeah. around what's going on. And, of course, the, girl, the girls go, they, like, Roger, we should go to the police right now. Yeah. And Roger goes, you know, why don't we go back out there and see if maybe we're, see if we can see this thing again so that we don't go to the police and they go, you guys are fucking crazy. They're going to, they're going to laugh us out of the station. Yeah. So they turn back towards the TNT area and they pass this, they come up the same stretch of the road where the dead dog was. Keep in mind, it's been 10, 15 minutes. That dog is gone. Completely missing. Yeah. So as they're making their way back towards the TNT area, they're getting closer. This fucking thing flies back out of the woods and over the car again. At this point in time, Roger just fucking blows a Yui right back into town. They go. Um, they get back in and he parks at Tiny's Diner this time. They calm themselves down again and go to the police. So really what this thing's going, it's like, oh, 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 look, look, they're back. They're back. Hey, hey, guys. Hey, hey, I want to talk. I want to talk. I want to talk. Yeah. And they're thinking going, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. Oh, let's kill us. And it's really thinking, hey. I want to talk. I want to see what's going on. Hey, how you doing? How you yeah. doing? Let's we need to talk. There's something big going to happen here soon. You know, I mean, that's just, I don't know. My brain is kind of going. <laughs> so when, when they do get to the police station, they talk to uh, Deputy Sheriff M- uh, Millard Halstead, which is a fucking great name, by the way. <laughs> yes. Um, they describe what they had seen. Um, and at first, he was kind of like, you guys all right? <laughs> You know, yeah. he's like, you guys out there, he's like, I won't, you know, I'm not going to be mad if you're doing something dumb out there. You guys okay? But he had known all four of these kids pretty much their whole lives. It's it's not a huge town. Small I mean, town USA. it's got like 20,000 people. They've got like 25 fucking churches, like restaurants. Like, it's not a big town. They've met, you know? And he's like, you know, they've, they've never been kind of, they've never been troublemakers. They've never been in trouble with me they've never done anything dumb that i would have had to go talk to him about at least yeah so he kind of goes you know what let's go back out so they get back out to the tnt area and obviously the four of them stay in their car because ain't no fucking way any of them are getting out so he I don't know if he was actually even all the way out of the car because it just said he was. He had his, from what I read, he basically had like a spotlight on the side of the car and he had his big flashlight with him. So I'm guessing he's standing next to the car, you know, the door open, you know, running the, the, the big spotlight with one yeah. hand and kind of flashing around with the other. He didn't see anything. But when he went to call into the station to let him know what was going on, when he hit the button on his radio, he got a really weird metallic beeping and clanking sound. He said it was real loud. He thought it was going to blow his radio up. It was so loud. So he, you know, kept hitting the button until it stopped. So obviously probably thinking, Oh, maybe, you know, maybe I'm getting some interference from something, whatever, but it seems pretty similar to some other shit we've already heard. Right. These are CB radios. Yeah. You know, I mean, on a set frequency, I, it's possible that something happened with it, but that's kind of yeah weird. I mean, you could definitely get some like weather interference, or if you're like in a metal building or something, you're not going to get anything really. I don't really know. I'm not a CB doctor, but you know. So the following day, 
uh, Sheriff George Johnson had a pre- uh, held a press conference. Another good Dude, name. it's just the most fucking 1960s town ever. Somewhere Kevin Bacon's going to come out of the woods and teach these kids how to dance. Probably. <laughs> Probably. Footloose. So he holds a press conference to discover to uh, discuss the sightings, and uh, some smartass in the press that had been obviously been watching a little bit too much TV, because at this point in time, Adam West is on TV yep. playing Batman. Yep. So somebody goes, let's call it Mothman. <laughs> so that's just kind of, they, they just fucking ran with it. So that's where the name Yeah, it, it came from. from some guy just fucking throwing a name at the wall to see what, what would stick. It stuck fucking hard. Oh, it sure fucking did, buddy. So Mary Heyer, who is a local newspaper reporter um, and a, a UFO enthusiast, like basically anytime John Keel came to West Virginia to talk to anybody about a UFO sighting, Mary Heyer was meeting him there because uh-huh. she was fascinated with it. Like she she wanted to know what was going on here. Um, matter of fact, after our next sighting, she had some really strange shit happen to her. Huh. Um, remind me to cycle back to that, and I will. Yep. So, um, so she would she would publish that story, and uh, people would read about it the next night in the paper, from the uh, the interviews and the press conference. The same day as the press conference, the Scarberries and uh, Millets returned to the TNT area in the daytime to see if they could find anything. They went fucking back. They went fucking back. What they found was a single set of tracks, so like two, three tracks, uh-huh. that looked like two horseshoes put together. Um, Steve Millette decides to go check out one of... The, so when I said two horseshoes put together, I'm thinking like yeah. horseshoes, and then you just put like the open ends together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a, that's a weird-ass that's a weird ass track. Kind of, yeah, that's, that's really weird. Yeah. Not natural, I wouldn't no. think. Oh, definitely. That's um, kind of like going. That's weird. That doesn't. That's yeah. Yeah. Well, so so it almost like looked like a figure eight. Yeah. Essentially, without without the cross part of it. Yeah. Um. So after they found the tracks, Steve decides to go check out one of the nearby buildings. Um. <laughs> he fucking kicks the door open, and he didn't get a good look at it. But he saw something fly straight up through a boiler chimney, and that was enough. They none of the four of them ever returned to the TNT area again after that. <laughs> so I mean, this could have been. I wouldn't have returned after the first time. Right. So he could well, he, no, he could he could have kicked this door open, and it could have been like a bat or a crow or something. It's like oh shit, and just like took off. He saw something flying, and he was done. Yeah, I mean, I I, I will say I probably would have. What? I would have, would have returned. I don't know, dude. <laughs> I would have. <laughs> I'd have gone in there hot and heavy. I'd have been fucking armed to well, the goddamn yes. teeth. You, I'd say, I, I'd be like, come on, Kevin, let's go. Let's go do this. You'd be like, I'm not fucking going. Without a gun. <laughs> I'm loaded. <laughs> yes. I do not ride naked. We're going to put the fucking Modus on the roof. I'm going to hang out in the back of the truck. I mean, Jesus We're going to take Christ. care of this motherfucker. We, we couldn't go up a goddamn road, you know, out in the middle of the night where you're like, uh-uh, uh-uh. No, nope. fuck that. Nope. Not happening. I did it once, and you were like, no, no, I don't like this. Yeah, no. So the next night, the night after their initial encounter, November 16th, 1966, endless lines of cars are cycling through the TNT area, and the ground was being patrolled by armed locals looking to bag themselves a legendary creature. 
most people that were there were focusing on like tree level or on the ground. Not a lot of them were paying attention to the sky. Uh huh. There was a car full of people that were, however, Raymond Wamsley, his wife, Virginia, and one of their friends, Marcella Bennett, and her daughter, who was an infant at the time, noticed a light. Her, her, her testimony doesn't count. The child? Yeah. No, obviously not. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out right now. If you say that the, that, that infant saw some shit... It said that she saw the shit. I'm telling you. So. Your Honor, I would like to call the child to the stand. <laughs> Gaga, goo goo. Objection! <laughs> uh, so anyway. She says, you suck. <laughs> so they, they see this light, and they studied it for a little bit, trying to figure out if it was maybe a plane circling the area. Yeah. And he, and Raymond was, was pretty familiar with, like, watching the skies and stuff. And you notice that the pattern wasn't right for a plane. Like the like the warning lights. Yeah, he said it was also too big, and it was very low, and it was sitting still. So it's just a red flashing light in the fucking sky. Obviously not a plane. Obviously not. No. Because so, there are no planes that sit still except for a Harrier, and they suck. And plus, I'm guessing that he would have heard a lot of noise. Right, if it was a Harrier. He said that there was some noise. So he obviously they noticed the flashing, but Raymond also said he heard like a, a low, like a low pitched but whirling or something, rear, like fairly loud humming. Oh yeah. So it wasn't like a high pitched sound. It was kind of like a like low, but it was still loud. Huh. So these guys weren't even out there looking for anything. They were out. They were headed out to the area just because the everybody else is. Yeah, they were headed out to to visit uh, Ralph Thomas and his wife who was also named Virginia, actually, uh, that lived out there. So Ralph was the superintendent of the Trojan U.S. operation in the TNT area. Trojan U.S. is, is uh, they're one of the companies that um, they were they were leasing some of the igloos. They were a, um, uh, no, 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 they were a, a, like a defense company, kind of. I know, they were making Trojan horses. Yeah, or condoms. <laughs> I wasn't going Wood there. Wood horses full of rubbers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And it's that's going to be a surprise because, you know. Yeah. Poof. Surprise, you're not pregnant. <laughs> surprise, it didn't block it. <laughs> surprise, I took it off. <laughs> so uh, his wife, Virginia, was uh, clairvoyant. She didn't like to, like, she didn't advertise it because, again, it's the 19-fucking-60s. Yes. So obviously only, like, certain people, like, very close friends and family members are going to know, like, she can see stuff. Uh-huh. Um, She'd actually predicted some acts like car accidents and other shit like industrial accidents and shit like that in the area for a few years before all of this happened. Yep. So she she could see what was coming. Uh, like yeah. She, she was not bullshitting. Uh, the Thomases had been out for the night. So when the car arrived, the Wamsleys and Marcella got out and they kind of went up to the door and they spoke to uh, the three older kids that had been left had been left alone. Um, basically like, you know, Hey, do you guys know when your parents are going to be back? We just came out to visit, yada, yada, yada. Yep. Um, so they, they start hearing gunshots out like off in the distance. And obviously it's probably just some fucking drunk dummy just out there shooting trees. Cause why not? It's fun. Um, or just some random person. Yeah. Shooting. So as, as they're heading back to the car, uh, Marcella would tell John Keel in an interview that as they turned 
around like there's kind of like a little bend in the driveway, I guess. They kind of came around and they're coming up to the car and she just saw something just rise up off the ground. And she said, quote, it seemed as if it had been laying down. It rose up slowly from the ground. A big gray thing, bigger than a man with terrible glowing red eyes. Now, she was so scared when she saw this thing. Uh, anybody that's parents out there, I, I don't. I'm not a parent, but I can imagine how I can't imagine how fucking scared you would have to be. But she dropped her child like she could not function. Like she saw this thing and her brain shut off. She's like, yeah, just froze. That that would have to I, I would have to say it probably be, you have to be that scared to, you know, scared enough to do that. Right. So Raymond, like he saw this thing, too, and he's like, shit. So he ran over scoops up Tina, who was her daughter, and grab Marcella by the arm. And as he's grabbing her to pull her away, this thing just unfurls its wings, like up. Yep. So he grabs her and he's rushing her, uh, the child, and he's getting he's crowding his wife back into uh, the Thomas's house where the kids are. Yeah. So he gets in, he fucking slams the door, slaps the deadbolt shut, and obviously... Looking for a gun. Has to be. People in here are freaking out because you don't know what the hell's going on, you know? So he's trying to keep everybody calm. You know, the women and kids are crying, obviously. I would have been crying because it's fucking crazy. You're a vagina. So (laughs) as as he's trying to keep everybody calm, he tells his wife, call the police. So she goes towards the phone and he hears something behind him on the porch. He looks back and there's two glowing red eyes in the window in the kitchen. So this fucker is right there. And he doesn't have a shotgun or anything? They weren't going out there for anything. They were going out there to visit friends. Yeah, but there's not one in the house. There is. I don't think he would have been digging through you know, a friend's house like at this point. Um, After I saw those two goddamn red eyes, sure as shit, I'd be digging through your goddamn house. I, no to, digging. You know where they are. I know. But don't I, fuck any of my stuff up. <laughs> I mean, Open the doors and windows before you shoot. I can replace screens. I don't want to replace windows, even though I have to replace windows. Listen, if that thing's going to come through, I'm going to shoot it. So keep in mind that damn near the entire town are armed to the teeth and less than a mile away from where these people are in this trailer. And these idiots aren't. And nobody would have any idea what happened in that house until the next night in the newspaper. Huh. So when the police arrived, obviously the creature was gone, wasn't arrested, unfortunately. But sadly for Marcella Bennett, this was just the beginning of her Mm. bullshit to deal with with the Mothman. So I'm going to cycle back to the Mary Hire thing. Yeah. After that first encounter that she reported on with the Scarberries and Millettes, she had a day where she was sitting in her office just, like, going through articles and stuff, trying to figure out where everything would go. Because this was still back in the day where you would have, like, your blank newspaper and you'd ha- you'd write your articles out and you'd set them where you think they would go the best. So you'd line everything up and then go, okay, this has to go here, 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 number shit, whatever. Yeah. However they did it. So she's sitting in her office just drinking coffee and working. And the next thing she knows, some guy walks in. Said he was kind of a like a shorter, like not fat but not skinny kind of guy in a black suit. Came in and asked her, you know, what did you see? What did people talk about? Yada yada yada. This that the other. 
and says, what would it take to get you to talk, to stop talking about UFOs? And she basically told him to go fuck himself. And he's like, but really what would it take to get you to stop talking about UFOs? And she's like, okay, see ya. And the guy's like, I'm a friend of Gray Barker's. She's like, okay, well let's talk. And as they're trying to talk, this motherfucker doesn't know anything about Gray Barker that like a friend would. So yeah. she's like, see ya, go away. And then this dude goes and visits her niece and is like, hey, what would it take to get your Aunt Mary to stop talking about UFOs? And she basically was like, she's not going to. That's her thing. Why are you here? Yeah. He goes, oh, I'm a friend. I'm friends with Gray Barker. And then her niece proceeds to have basically the same conversation with this guy and then just go, you need to go. You're weird. I don't yeah, trust you. Yeah. And it's, then when Gray Barker finally rolls into town to talk to all these people, they go, hey, do you have a friend? And they describe this guy and he goes, I've never met anybody that fits that description. So this is somebody that knows who, like, of Gray Barker and what he does, uh-huh. but doesn't personally know him. Knows enough to be dangerous, but not Probably enough Probably to... read a fucking book back. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, okay, so he lives in West Virginia. Uh, he talks about UFOs. He's got two dogs. Married. Hot chocolate. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I know this guy. I can talk about him. You know? Um, so yeah. So it seems like he's... So is this guy, this guy the same guy that... I don't know if it's the same guy that talked to Woody, because the guy that talked to Woody, the guy is described as being tall and slender. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so just di- different guys, but dressed about the same. Yeah. Okay. So, well, all of this madness is going on in Point Pleasant. There's other sightings of these giant birds and UFOs and Mothman right across the river in Ohio. Um, other places in the country are experiencing huge flaps of UFO, UFO sightings. Um, a, a lot of them would obviously come with a phone call from someone saying, hi, I'm with the Air Force. I'm Cluenet Johnson. I forgot what rank that is, but yeah, I'm in the Air Force, totally in the Air Force. What'd you see? Oh, cool. Stop fucking talking about it. If you don't, I'm going to come talk to you personally. Yeah. So the men in black, I don't think always did shit in person. They were just like, let's try it over the phone first. Give them a chance. If they don't we'll go break their legs. And then, but then also you had project paper, or blue book, blue book. That was legitimately trying to some, they're probably some, I think they were somewhat trying to debunk a lot of this. Stuff. They, they were, they were collecting the reports yeah. legitimately and just going, eh, this one's bullshit. This one's bullshit. This one's bullshit. They saw something here. That's bullshit. So it was the government collecting all of these reports making them official and then just shitting on them saying that you guys are all fucking crazy. You yeah, didn't see but, nothing. But they, but getting people to talk to them, you know, was a whole nother story right. because Fucking, you have these other idiots trying to, you know... You don't know who to trust. Yeah. You don't know who's really a government official and who's not. Exactly. Um, so, uh, before we go, I wanted to jump back to... Um, jump back to the Scarberries, and then I'm going to jump back to another thing that happened in Ohio real quick at around the same time. So, the week of and after the incident with the Scarberries, that's some really strange stuff happened around their house. 
at the time they were living in a um, like a trailer, like a mobile home kind of thing. And one night they were in bed and Roger got woken up to the sounds of really loud clicks and beeps and pops and garbled noise. He said kind of sounded like a staticky radio. Hmm. And then like if the radio was staticky and then just got sped up. So at this point in time, after all of this shit's happened, they decide, fuck it. We're moving. We're moving out. Yeah, I would. Yeah. So they move into the basement apartment of her parents' house. Uh-huh. So her parents' home has a basement apartment in it. They're like, they just moved in there. They weren't the only ones hearing these kinds of sounds. There was a woman in Ohio, and I cannot remember her name to save my life. I thought I wrote it down, but I didn't. Um, she was in bed, and she was woken up one night, and uh, she was staying with her. She was recently divorced, so she was staying with her sister and brother-in-law. Yep. And her, her brother-in-law was uh, he was a radio guy. He had CBs, he had ham radios, he worked on radios, all this stuff. So she hears this click, pop, crackle, kind of staticky noise. And she's like, well, maybe maybe he left his CB going. Yeah. So she goes into the room where it is, and it's packed in its case, closed, unplugged, nothing going to it. Huh. So we're starting to notice a pattern here with some noises and stuff. Um. But that's all I've got for this week. So wow. you guys will have to come back next week where we maybe finish it up. Yeah. Or maybe it goes another week after that <laughs> I haven't, if we haven't decided yet. Um, because we haven't even gotten to like when John Keel comes to town really and starts investigating this like real thoroughly. And then obviously the tragedy with the Silver Bridge that we have to get to as well. Yeah. Um, but dude, fucking John Keel is like out in the TNT area, like kicking doors open like, hey, what's up? No, oh, no aliens in here. Cool. Let's try this one. Bam! Kicking that one open. Like, nobody home? Okay, cool. He seems like the kind of dude that, like, you could have had, like, five, six beers with and just been like, you want to do something dumb? I sure fucking do. <laughs> <laughs> but you got me at, do you wanna? You son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> so, with that being said, that's where we're going to end it for this week. And we'll be back next week. Yes. <clears throat> We'll be, back, we'll be back the week after that, too. We're just not sure if it's going to be with Mothman or something else. But Yeah, definitely. We'll be, I we'll mean, be back. So this is one definitely, uh, yeah, this is one of the, kind of gets to be, uh, it's getting stranger now. Yeah. I mean. We ain't even seen shit yet. I mean, <laughs> not that it wasn't strange, you know, with Cornstalk, with everything, but we're kind of uh, seeing more of the shit that's going on. Yes. You know, it, is it, does it tied back to Cornstalk? You know, is all this shit coming about because, because of him? I mean, there were so many other things that happened and, and now all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's just a lot of things. High strangeness. Yeah. Yeah. And at this point I'm kind of going, Okay. Mossman is either a a laboratory mutant that was created by the military, or he's an alien. There is a third theory that it might be some kind of a bird that was mutated due to the runoff from all the munitions, chemicals, and stuff in the TNT area. Huh. Could be. But the more common theory amongst fucking party poopers 
is that it's a sandhill crane that people are misidentifying uh, or a harpy eagle, which I could see kind of, but they're not native to the area. No. So. No. It's just it's just people being fucking poopy pants. Like Joe Nickel, that fucking old skeptic dude that's like, yeah. I watched the thing of Monster Quest where he's like, they did all these like Mothman cutouts and they put them on the sides of the road at different heights and different distances. And he proceeds to shit on regular people when he's like, I want you to drive by this and tell me how big it is and how far away it was. And this one guy's like, he's like, okay, so how, how big was number three? And number three was like eight or nine feet tall. And he put it at like 25 feet from the road. And the guy goes, I don't know. I'd say it was probably 20, 30 feet away. And it was, I don't know, you know, nine, 10 feet tall. And the look this guy gets on his face was just like, fucking idiot. It's only eight feet tall. He's such a dick. That's like within a ballpark. Dude, If I, I would love to meet this guy just to tell him what I actually think about him that's to his a, face. That's like, like a plus like, or you minus. You are a fucking turd. Of, that's a plus or minus of like three, five feet. Anybody I mean. that has the term professional skeptic on their business card can go fuck themselves. Because at that point in time, you just don't have an open enough mind to consider other options. Yeah. I'm totally cool with being a skeptic. Believe me. Do I really think that there's a fucking dinosaur in Lake Champlain? Probably not. No. Am I open-minded enough to go, eh, maybe. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, it, you know, in the alien thing, I, it's, well, there's two scenarios there. Okay, this is something that escaped from them, and they're trying to get it. Or, B, it's something that, well, three, because it could be like, what. Well, Two is kind of like a, a split option because it's the same scenario. It's either A, mutation of something, or um, government-made, and the but the common denominator is the aliens are watching it. Here's another couple. Because of- they're like, okay, uh, what's going on here? Do you want to get real weird? Here's a couple more options. Okay. Ultra-terrestrial, meaning it's been here for a long time and we're just starting to see it now because... Yep. We've moved into its area. Interdimensional. Mm. Like I said, you want to get weird? We can get fucking weird, my friend. Mm. But, yeah, I, I don't know. That's, uh... I don't know. I, at this point, I mean, what what about the option that maybe it is an alien and this is not necessarily its actual form? What if this is some kind of a, uh, like a suit? Because a lot of people are saying the wings are coming out and it just flies straight up. To me, that screams fucking jetpack. <laughs> you know, because most, but yeah. I mean, but then again, you have the Scarberries who are like, it's fucking flapping its wings against the side of our car. Yeah. So, natural creature, alien, fucking little dude in a suit. Who knows? True. Um, Makes sense. I do know for sure that whatever this thing is, it tends to show up places before bad stuff happens. Yeah. Um. They had a lot of sightings of it in Chernobyl, right before the reactors went. They had sightings of it in uh, Fukushima, I believe, too, like in the surrounding area before all of that happened. They had sightings in fucking um, uh, Thailand before the big uh, uh, hurricane, typhoon, whatever it was. It seems to be a warning, almost. Hmm. I mean, they've been seeing it in Chicago for a couple years now in... It's the most fucking dangerous city in the country. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> you know? It better, I mean, it better watch out. Yeah, it fucking Mothman's going to get jacked if he's on the wrong corner. <laughs> what do you think you're doing, boy? Then you're slinging rock, motherfucker. Get out of here. <laughs> you know this is our corner. Fucking group of gangbangers come up and just start shooting at Mothman. And it's like, fling the laser eyes and just fucking melts. <laughs> Where does that fall into your crime statistic, motherfucker? Or they're, or they're the They hard- weren't shot. They were fucking melted. Or they make it actually go away because it, it'd scare it off. I don't know. You know, I mean, who knows? But, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of theories out there with it. And I am not a huge fan of the Sandhill Crane one because I think it's just fucking lazy. Yeah. Be like, oh, what'd you see? Oh, it's a bird. But no, no it's a yeah. bird. It's a bird. It's a bird. Fuck off. It's a bird. To me, that's. At night, that, you wouldn't know it's a bird. Yeah. I mean, the only one that makes any sense for a bird that I've heard people say is it's a fucking great horned owl and people are seeing it very, very, very close moving quickly. I could get that because fucking great, like horned owls are huge for a bird. They're really big. Yeah, but not six to eight feet tall. No, 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 definitely not. You know, they're what? Two, yeah, three, two, three feet, something like that. Yeah, something like but that. that that's Joe Nichols argument is like, oh, well, if you see it flying, it's an owl. If you see it standing somewhere, it's probably just a guy in a costume. You're a fucking guy in a costume. You're not even a real person, you weirdo. Get out of here. Special effects then were... Yeah, that's like people trying to make the argument against fucking... Uh, Patty. Patty. Oh, it's a guy in a suit. <laughs> no, really? Not. Really, it is? Because if you look at it and you can see the fucking muscles moving under the hair, that's not a dude in a suit. No. Most special effects suits back then didn't have boobs on them. Show me the fucking zipper. And people Show have... me somebody that can re- accurately recreate the gait of that thing. They haven't. They can't. Because our legs aren't built to work like that. No. So, I want to do an episode where we just fucking shit on skeptics. <laughs> I love it. It's gonna be so much fun. Because <laughs> 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 there's a few out there that I know by name where I'm like, you motherfucker. I ever saw you like walking down the street somewhere? I'd cross it and just punch you in the teeth. <laughs> yeah, but you, you look at me almost like a skeptic, though. With some stuff. But, like, you're open enough to go, eh, maybe. Yeah. These other guys are just like, uh-uh. No. Stupid. Yeah. There's no way. Fuck you. Definitely. Of course there is. Oh, uh, yeah. I you mean, shouldn't exist, you fucking dummy. You, 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 gotta, you gotta have a little bit of an open mind. Yeah. Oh, shit. Jesus Christ, you're drunk. I know. Lush. Yeah, so this is definitely one of those episodes where you're going to want those headphones you're gonna or speaker. earbuds. Or Blast this shit in the streets. <laughs> yes. So you should go over to the studio and, uh, and buy a pair if of If you're headphones. in quarantine in a small apartment, make your fucking neighbors listen to us. <laughs> They'd be like, those guys swear a lot. Fucking A, right we do. You want to know why? Because we're real people and this is how real people talk. Also, we've had beer. We have. So we went kind of loosens everything up. We went from water to actual beer. Oh, yeah, listen, just because I am a budget beer buyer doesn't make you better than me. Uh, that's true. And I also like the taste of it better. Okay, fine. So be like that then. Hey, I want to just want to give a, a shout out to some people that uh, have sent us some emails. Oh shit, read them know. emails, son. Yeah, I mean, uh... and I do have to apologize for one. I may have been in the wrong, but I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know if I can do it. I've tried it, and I just I can't do it. We had uh, Joe uh, Muska, Muskal, 
Wolf Scout. We just call him Joe. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, Joe. You know who you are. So, uh, yeah, we. Uh, <clears throat> okay, we'll, we'll stop. Read it already. We'll stop. We'll stop hating on Jenny. How about that? <laughs> I'll stop hating on it. It doesn't mean I'm going to start drinking it. And just, I will just... try. Read the email. Okay. Read the, read the shit. Then we'll. <laughs> yeah. So so Joe sends this email. Says, "Hey guys, how's it going? I'm a huge fan of the show, but don't hate on Jenny. I'll hate on all I want. <laughs> I won't hate on it, but I'm not going to drink it. I'm sorry. I've tried, man. I've tried. I can't do it. Yeah. Like we've got a we've got a bar and the um like the next town over." They have, uh, like, they do a lot of stuff on tap. Their house tap beer is Genesee Cream, and it's fucking terrible. Ugh. But it's 75 cents a draft. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to get drunk and you don't really care what it tastes like, go for it. You can get hammered for, like, six bucks. Well, let me finish this. This <laughs> is L- uh, LOL. It used to be gross, but if you guys can get it, um, you need to try a Ruby, uh, Jenny Ruby Red or Strawberry Lemon Cream Ale. Both are great. Have a good weekend. Okay, I try that one. I I, I try the lemon cream ale. I'd probably try either one. No, Ru- Ruby Red screams grapefruit to me, and I'm not a grapefruit guy. Me either. So I, I'll st- I'll try the other one if I can find it. But I promise. There is a there's one called Ruby that um, it's made by this company out in Oregon. Um, that I've actually tried. It's a grapefruit. Oh, it tastes so good. See, I, I can't I I can't do citrusy beer because if I drink yeah. too much beer anyway, it gives me heartburn as it is. Like Shock Top. I fucking love Shock Top, but I can't have more than two of them. Because if not, I'm fucking dead. Yeah. So and we got one more email. This one's interesting as fuck. Yes. I, I, th- I think we got to take this dude up on his offer. Uh, I think we ought to. That was from Jeff. He says, hey, guys, I'm listening to your episode on the yokai right now, and I'm amused and excited. I major in Japanese... Uh, a major in Japanese lived here there for a couple years, and I'm actually thinking about staying, uh, uh, s- uh, about starting my own podcast on yokai myths. Yes, yokai myths, uh, historical legends, urban legends, and spooky ass stuff throughout the me- the islands. I say do it. Fuck yeah, dude. I mean, I want to hear more about this shit. Yeah, and I, I replied to him talking about. Um, well, he let me let me continue. Yeah. So he, he goes on to say, if you ever decide to do another episode or on something that has to do with Japan, I would love to get involved. Whether it's something like the Teke Teke legend or the uh, Korigara uh, suicide. Aokigahara, that's how I would pronounce it. Whatever. But I'm white, so. <laughs> <laughs> and we never pronounce anything incorrectly on this show. Never. Right? So, yes, I will say, for me. I'm fucking if, in, dude. If you want to get involved, this goes to anybody. If dude. You want, if you want an episode. If you guys want to start a fucking podcast and you're just looking for advice from people that are okay at it, let me know. I can I can help you out. Like, Yeah, let him know. Don't let me know. I got, like, some of the technical shit down, but. Yeah. I mean, but, I, like I said, we're not great, but we're dangerous enough to. <laughs> if, if you want, it, or if you even want to be on the show, yeah, or, fuck yeah, you know, do some Let's research do and have the research read on the yeah. show. 
we'll freaking do it. And I replied back to him in an email talking about the, the Teke Teke and this one called The Eight Foot Tall Woman yep. that I'd heard about on a show called Scared to Death that uh, stand-up comedian Dan Cummins does with his wife. It's a fucking excellent show. I know Dan probably has enough fans that he doesn't need me promoting it, but... It's so fucking cool. You have to go listen to it. Hmm. He tells, like, the way he tells stories is really good. Um, And the most recent episode that came out last week has got the scariest fucking listener story I have ever heard. Like, I was driving, and I got goosebumps so bad that I thought I was going to go off the fucking road. It was terrifying. (laughs) But, um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, and again... You want to shoot us an email? We're uh, darkwindowspod at gmail.com. Obviously, we read it because we get like two a day or whatever, like two a fucking month. Or so something. just send us more emails because I've got nothing else to do. So For right now. And there's only so much Call of Duty I can play. So, <laughs> But yeah, we, we, we love it. Yeah, absolutely. And we I, take we take all the criticism and advice we get. And I'll stop hating, hating on Jenny. I promise. I will. No, I won't. But I'm not going to necessarily drink it. It's like fucking Ice House. No way. I can't do that, man. That's like, that's too much. But I just drank a little bit. So, uh, okay. Ooh, I drank my <laughs> Canadian beer. Shut up. So, we said email. You can contact us yeah. that way, or you can go to uh, Facebook. We're on there, Dark Windows Always. Podcast. Always. Uh, you'll find me on there posting some random stuff. I'm Kevin H. or Kevin Hire. Kevin Hire. Just give me your last yes, name. I'm you Kevin Hire. <laughs> my name Kevin. is Kevin Carlton. I'm on Facebook. Yeah. All and, the time. Uh, and if you want to personally message us, yeah, go right fucking ahead. You can find us. We're not we're not hard to find. You can message me too. I mean, I'm not. You know, nobody uh, likes you though. Yeah, it's That's true. the thing. Sorry, I buddy. Know. Damn. Um, yeah, we're. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, that hurt. Yeah, whatever. Um, we're also semi on Twitter semi. and somewhat on Instagram. Our, Insta- our Instagram games fucking weak lately, but <laughs> we're semi professional on yeah. Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Anyway, all right. Let's, uh, let's also go over to Patreon.com. Go uh, find us on there. We're Dark Windows Podcast. Uh, we got a one, five, ten, and twenty dollar tier. Uh, twenty dollar tier is going to get you more shit than you could ever imagine. You're going to get an extra episode. You're going to get a shout out. You're going to get a sticker. You're going to get a T-shirt. Uh-huh. You can recommend a fucking episode. You can come on an episode. I don't care. Um, highly recommend the five dollar tier because that way you're going to get. A sticker. We're going to mention you on the show saying thank you. And you're going to get an extra episode that month. So fucking do it up. You know, uh, five. I know like shit's weird right now, but, you know, give us some of your stimulus money. Mm-hmm. Stimulate me. Stimulate. Stimulate my Patreon. <laughs> that sounds fucking dirty. It does. Yikes. Uh, kinky. Yeah. Darkwindowspod.threadless.com. Go stimulate our t-shirts. Go stimulate our sweatshirts. Fucking buy! They got all kinds of crazy shit over there. Go grab some. We got coffee mugs, notebooks, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, actually, I use one of our Dark Windows notebooks for my uh, my editing stuff. So very nice. Yeah, it's very nice. Very, very nice. My only my only problem is like right now the notebooks are only white with the black lettering. I wanted the reverse. I want oh. a black notebook with the white letterings. Just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean that the dark can't see into you. Damn right. Yeah. And if you hear some shit on your porch, fucking shoot it. Don't even ask questions. Just shoot it. And you hear me saying, shoot her. That's all I'm saying. You done? No. Yes. Okay, good. Anyway. (laughs) So that's uh, goodbye.